You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm an editor at allyoucanheat.com. With me on the other line, as always, the one and only David Ramil. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. You know, one of our, our most recent podcasts, we complained a little bit about not being able to see these preseason games, but we've got some action taking place, not just tonight, because we're filming this on a Monday where there's a live scrimmage being held at American Airlines Arena, but also a home game versus the Brooklyn Nets. So the first televised game on NBA TV, a lot to be excited for. So I think that's one of the things that most of our listeners will probably be wanting to know is that they can catch the heat for uh, their first televised appearance. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a pretty good thing. Good call. And, and the complaining you were talking about happened on our Monday show where we did our mailbag, our usual Monday mailbag. But we got this one question um, this morning we're, and by, by Jordan Malley, I think I want to say. It was sure. a really, really good question. We just couldn't wait until next Monday to open this thing up and, and get into it. And it's, quite frankly, a big enough question to just dedicate a whole podcast to. So that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking over the Heat organization today. That's what we're doing. Jordan's question is, if you were running the Heat organization, what would be your plan for the season, the trade deadline, and the upcoming offseason? Possible trade of free agent targets, coaching, organizational changes, etc. He just wants to know. So, we cracked into it, we're, and um, I think this is something that we've kind of talked about, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, but it's nice to actually just, let's put the, our GM hats on and and just do it. So, what I kind of did to prepare for this is I listed the top free agents that could be available next summer, some trade deadline targets that could be available at February's trade deadline. Okay. I tried to look at this all. I, I keep a um, a salary cap Excel document that I can kind of play with just to experiment and do things in my free time. Nice. Yeah, man. I just, you know, I don't have a life, so that's what I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the first thing, right, we can't even look to next summer so much because we have the whole season to play out. We really have to look at what we have this year, and we've talked about it a million times. This is a young roster. No Dwayne Wade, no Chris Bosh, and this is a young roster. If you look at the window of this team, it's not this year, it's not next year. You know, We're going to be looking at the development of Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Todd Johnson, who's on white side. I think the one guy that doesn't fit is Goran Dragic, so we might as well just start there. we got to figure out what we do with him. I don't think you and I, you and I are high on Dragic. I think we're, we both agree he's going to have a higher usage rate. He's going to be used more this year. He's going, he's going to have the opportunity to lead the offense. We like Dragic. My question with Dragic is, does his window fit? I don't know. I think because of the way his career started off where he was playing limited minutes in, in both Houston and Phoenix before he was acquired by the Heat, I think he's still, you know, he's 30, but he's 30 on 26-year-old legs, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but he I think he's, been, enough, he's got enough teeth as my grandpa, though. Like... <laughs> Yeah, but but he's been look. He, he plays a physical style of game. We yeah. we saw what happened last year. He, he takes a lot of hits. He gets knocked down to the floor. But who doesn't at this point in time? So I think you know this is this just the reality of who Miami have acquired is that they they mortgage a big part of their future to acquire a point guard that could finish at the rim. And maybe he fit more of that championship window when you expected Chris Bosh to be able to play when you had veterans like you know Dwayne Wade and later on Lou Dang and, and Joe Johnson, et cetera. So maybe that made more sense. But I think he can still – I think he's capable of leading this younger core and still contributing throughout – you know, we're talking about another, what is it, three, four years on his deal. I think, you know, he can still love up to that and I think he can continue to produce. Even at 34, by the time the deal ends, I think he'll still be a very productive player. So to me, 
I still think that he fits into that window. I think 34 isn't that big a deal considering how little he was used early in his career, considering the fact that Miami tends to prolong careers because of their, their mm-hmm. training staff, et cetera. Um, I, I think he'll he'll be you know productive and healthy throughout the length of his contract. And I think it, tie, it does tie in because you want to develop other guys on the roster, guys who play the wing and Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson. Well, maybe I think a, his window uh, coincides with their development, right? If they Sure. If they don't develop this year, if we go this whole season, we don't really see much more from them. They have a sophomore slump, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Then I think you look at this window, you're like, okay, these guys need more time. Maybe we trade Dragic and, and sell high. Because we both think that Dragic is going to have his best season as a, as a Miami Heat player this year. It, is all the, it all looks like that way. So, so what, that's what the would case, you be looking you to, high on it. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, though. Like, What would you look to acquire? Like, How does that behoove... The players like Winslow and Richardson, if they're if they're still need more time to develop, does trading Dragic, who is you know a great playmaker and a guy who feeds them the ball where they want, et cetera, has good chemistry with Whiteside, or at least we expect him to. What do you think his? How do you think his trade improves his team or fits more along that you know elongated window? Well, I think you have to you have to try to get a draft pick for him probably. Um, a power forward to replace Bosch. I mean, of all the young guys we're talking about, none of them are a true four. You get another younger point guard. It's just, I don't disagree. It's hard for me to say because I think Dragic means, can help these guys. I think he makes this team better. But at the same time, you traded two future first rounders for him. And if if your mindset is going to be, all right, we're going to build around these young guys and we're going to wait for this window... That might not be coming as fast as we want. You just, I think, you have to look long term and say, "All right, maybe this this team's window isn't two years from now. Maybe it's six years from now. And if that's the case, five years from now. If that's the case, you have to trade Dragic. You can't just keep him around for the sake of being mediocre. You know what I mean? You gotta. I, I that's an option at least. You, I'm not saying just trade him for anything. I mean, you got sure, no, no, to try to get something yeah. in return. But what I'd be looking for is probably a top fifteen pick or maybe a young player that I feel isn't being utilized correctly somewhere else, maybe going to get one of those um, 76ers bigs, Going maybe when Ben Simmons returns, they decide there's not a, a space for Dario Saric, and you, you say, okay, let's go get him. He's a nice stretch forward who can move the ball a little bit. We'll go get uh-huh. him. I don't know if he's available, but you know, it's, those are the kind of phone calls you're making, right? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we, I think we were asked recently whether or not um, – Kenneth Fareed was an option for Miami. So if you want to listen to that previous mailbag podcast, I think that was a good topic of discussion there as well. I mean, there are guys that are going to be available in the trade box. And that's the whole thing, right? You never know throughout the course of the season. You know, maybe a guy like Paul Millsap, who's an impending free agent. Maybe if Atlanta doesn't produce very well, maybe they're looking to move him. And he'd be a perfect fit for this team. He would. And Dennis Schroeder isn't, might, you know, he's got to to take the reins as a starting point guard. Maybe he doesn't develop the way they want. And they say, okay. We want Goran Dragic to go along with Dwight Howard and Kent Bazemore and Kyle Korver. I mean, Goran Dragic fits that window more than he fits Miami's. I kind of like that trade. Paul Millsap's an impending free agent. Hey, come yeah. down to the sunny Miami for a little while. It might be our only way of even getting you as a free agent. You know, We want you to experience the heat culture so that we can really sell you on it. That's not a bad trade. The concern, though, I think, and I wrote about this over the summer, was that his contract would be so huge. I mean, yeah. We're talking about $30 million plus. And that's with the expanded, you know, the increased salary cap, et cetera. But, I mean, those are astronomical numbers on a player who's on the other side of 30 already. So I, I'm not sure. That, that's a tough one to stomach. You know, if you're looking at if you're looking at moving Dragic because he doesn't fit the window, 
I think he, you know, I think Millsap fits it even less. Although you, you like That's what true. he can do, you know, because he is a good defender. He's an underrated player, at least for a lot of NBA fans. I think or peripheral fans, they may not know exactly how impactful he is. He's played for a low market, a little market in Utah. He played for a little market in Atlanta, uh, and they kind of tend to overlook him. I know he's got some All Star selections from coaches in the past, but the reality is he does everything very well. He steals. You know, he blocks shots. He defends well along the perimeter. Uh, he's athletic enough to finish at the rim. He's a very good outside shooter, et cetera. So, I mean, he's he's a very good player, I think, and and one that would fit Miami very well. But I, that would be more along the lines of keeping a guy like, you know, Dragic and then retooling all of a sudden for, you know, contention with the next year or two. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. I got I have a trade that I want to float by you a little bit later. Okay. But, um, Dragic was one question. I mean, that's – we're going into the season, we have to kind of take the lay of the land. Dragic, okay, does he fit this window? The second question is, and actually it's probably the first question, to be honest, is what do we do with Chris Bosh? Um, you know, as unfortunate as the situation is with the blood clots and, and being failing his last physical at Miami, the Heat aren't bringing him back. They already announced that. We're taking over, so I guess we could really do whatever we want. Like, if we took over, we could just tell Bosh to get back on the floor, right? Like, it, it's our organization in this hypothetical universe. Um <laughs> I wouldn't do that because, again, the doctor said no, and I'm not a doctor. So, like, like, would you do that? Um, you know, it, it's, it's one really way hard, of, right? It, it's one way of saving whatever you know uh, credibility Riley may have had and, and lost during a lot, you know, this summer because you know, obviously, uh, either allowing Dwayne Wade to walk or not doing enough to re-sign him, and you know, possibly showing Bosch the door, uh, it, it hasn't been well-received across the country, I think, from most NBA fans. Maybe even some in South Florida that are, you know, reeling from the shock of losing two of the big three within a matter of months. And, and you know, we expected Bosch to be a big part of this team moving forward. We thought there was legitimate playoff contention in their in their future if he was part of the roster. Maybe not title contention, but they looked like a, a good, strong playoff contender. Uh, and clearly that's not the case anymore with Bosch gone. Um, so I... If let's see, if I was the GM, would I tell him go out there? Let's bury the hatchet. You know, we wanted you all along. Um, and if you go out there and die, so be it. At least I, I look, I, my hands are clean. You know, yeah. is that like that's the best case scenario, right? At least I could yeah. say, well, you know what, we the wanted best to case fulfill. Scenario is that he doesn't die. Well, sure, <laughs> but that seems like an, a possibility, right? I mean, if he's going to continue yeah. to develop these health issues, I mean, what's to prevent that from happening? I mean, and again. Neither of us are medical experts, so we can't really speak on that condition. But that seems to be the concern, I think, from both the team and other doctors that yeah, have yeah, spoken yeah. about. It, so. so basically, um, we're going to say, for the sake of this exercise, Bosch, is, Bosch failed his last physical. He's been ruled out. He's not playing for the right. year. I think that's – so what do we do with this contract? February 9th rolls around. We apply for that medical exemption rule. Maybe – Let's say Bosch fights it, right? Best case scenario in that situation is that he doesn't fight it. And the NBA PA and, and the NBA agree, okay, we'll take his contract off the books here. Go ahead. Um, worst ca- and, and if that's the case, now we're looking at $45 million in cap room possibly, where we can go chase some free agents who we'll talk about later. But if that doesn't happen and Bosch fights it and, then a, and, and the NBA PA fights it, um, then... We have to look at our other options, and one of that one of those options is stretching Bosch, waving him and stretching his contract, and doing the math. I, I think I got this right. We you could save fifteen million a year if you stretch his contract. You're still paying him ten million a year. You're saving right. fifteen million a year, 
And if that's the case, you're looking at right now. I have the Heat at 14 or 15 million um, with Bosch, Dragic, McRoberts, Winslow, Josh Richardson, Hassan Whiteside, Wayne Ellington, who had a two-year deal, and Tyler Johnson on on the books. They're looking at about 14 million. And if you can stretch Bosch's contract, you're looking at 29 million. If you can somehow get rid of McRoberts, or 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 and or Wayne Ellington, now you're looking at an additional six to twelve million dollars. Um, so there's ways to get around it, and if the NBA Players Association doesn't allow us to implement that medical exemption rule, that's the way we got to go. Because now we're looking at thirty million dollars in cap space, some options in free agency. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, okay. that seems fair. All right, so now we're looking at so so February rolls around, the NBA PA is like, no, okay, so we stretch Bosch's contract. We're looking, okay, now we have thirty million on the books. Here's my trade. Um, Rudy Gay wants to come to Miami, right? Now don't hang up, don't stop the podcast. Rudy Gay wants to come to Miami. If we're going to Bosch is gone. We're stretching his contract. We need assets. We need cap space. Trade Goran Dragic and Josh McRoberts to the Kings for Rudy Gay, Darren Collison, and Omri Caspi. Caspi can fill in at power forward. Collison can fill in behind Dragic for point guard. Rudy Gay can play power forward as well. Now... Gay has a player option for $14 million next year, so he can definitely opt into that, or he can opt out and test the market. I have a feeling, I think the best, the smartest decision for Rudy Gay would be to opt in and take the $14 million, but I have a feeling Rudy Gay is going to opt out and try to make more money. Um, seeing that like Evan Turner got $18 million a year, he probably thinks he's better than Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. So that would save the Heat nearly $23 million next season if Rudy Gay opts out. If he doesn't, it's $9 million. But again, I think he does. I'm, taking, I'm willing to take that, that risk. The Heat are going to be looking at uh, 30 plus 23, $53 million-ish. That's a lot of money. Yeah, You can really go rebuild a team. And if that's the case, you trade Dragic, who's probably the mo- the best, sco- best offensive player on the team at that point. You're really tanking. So now the Heat, who have their draft pick next year, all of a sudden you're lifted into the top six, seven, maybe you know top five overall picks in the NBA – you can really go get a nice player with that. Plus, you have all this cap room. Maybe Dion Waiters pans out this year. You can you have enough cap room to sign Dion, re-sign Dion Waiters, and then extra players. Maybe this isn't that wouldn't be a roster that you can convince a Blake Griffin to come to. But you can get a nice a bunch of nice young players and give them long term deals. Kind of what like Portland just did by giving Evan Turner a nice long deal and Festus Zelli and all those guys. I mean, those aren't guys that are going to change your franchise singularly. But a bunch of young guys like that, you can really start to develop a nice core and kind of flush out what we already have with Winslow and Richardson and Tyler Johnson and Deion Waiters. What do you think? It sounds complicated yeah. and interesting at the same time. And I'm, I'm thinking of it from the perspective that you're counting on Sacramento being the Kangs in order for them to accept a deal like that because I just don't see why they would be willing. I mean, I know that they kind of want to move Rudy, but at the same time, I don't know that there's enough incentive in taking over Dragic's contract. It's a nice young contract, four years with fifteen to seventeen million a year. Demar- he fits Demarcus Cousins' window. I think that's a nice deal for them. They've been looking I, for a point guard forever. Dave Yeager's going to want a point guard. Okay, 
Okay, I mean, yeah, there. It's again, yeah. There's. It's so hard to predict. What and Sacramento I would ra- I would. I, if I'm betting money, I would bet that they're going to be the Kangs, right? Like. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a possibility they could just make these deals for nothing. I would hope that maybe they could throw in one of their plethora of big men to to kind of help sweeten the deal for us. But I mean, that seems a little like. I'm sorry. One of the young guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I think Collie Stein is probably uh, untouchable. But yeah, Um, and you know, also about Rudy, we never did talk about it when he came up as an option. But you know, or when the rumors had come out. Or the reports had come out that he was interested in coming to Miami, but you know he's not necessarily a bad player. I think you know there's a lot of negativity about him. Um, I think mostly in basketball circles because I forget exactly what the principle is, but he's reached that point where um, if, if he's being utilized the way a superstar player is, and he's a high usage player, then he becomes less efficient, and because his contract is so high. It looks particularly frightening, but the less he's used, um, the more efficient he winds up looking, and I think he winds up being a serviceable player. So the interesting part would be if you do acquire a guy like Rudy Gay, where does he fit along Miami's hierarchy? Is Spolstra able to make him the third option on the team, which is probably where he's best suited for? Um, do we continue going to to Whiteside? Is there enough chemistry with a guy like Tyler Johnson to start him at the point? Or Dion Waiters, do you play him at the point and maybe have him kind of develop chemistry with Hassan and try to make them the the building blocks of a future tandem there? That, I mean, that's those are the biggest questions I think. He's a Joe Johnson type. Like he's there if you need a basket, and I think that would be Joe Johnson was able to fill that role for Miami last year. I don't know if Rudy Gay would, but the Heat were every once in a while able to just take okay, ISO Joe, take over, do your sure. thing. And I think if you look at what this Heat roster lacks, particularly on offense, is guys who can create their own shot. Certainly you have Dragic and Waiters, but that might be it, really. Right. And and Rudy Gay fits that. I think you can play him in a stretch four, which would be a need this year for Miami. I, the whole purpose of this trade would be to tank, right? Like, I'm not banking on Rudy Gay being good all of a sudden. I'm banking in, on him being the inefficient player that he's always been and then leaving after this year, you know, putting up a bunch of points, leaving this year. Yeah, does it stall the development of some young guys because they don't get as many touches? For half a season. But overall, you're it's a it's a gamble. Like you're you're tanking the year. You're trying to get a top five pick and add some more youth to this roster, and and free up a ton of cap space. So, um, you know, there's a risk reward thing to it. Um, all right, before we go on, I do want to take a moment to give a shout out to the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to Locked On Heat. We didn't just come up with this name. It's a great name, but we didn't just come up with it. Our boss, his name is David Locke. He's created this network. He hosts Locked On NBA as well as Locked On Jazz. Um, and there's a bunch of really great podcasts in the NBA, the NFL, and a few others. Um, Locked on fantasy basketball is going to be huge if you're a, a fantasy basketball player. Locked on fantasy football, I know there's a lot of fantasy football players. And locked on NFL, because it's NFL season. And locked on Miami Dolphins. Since you're listening to this, you're probably also a Dolphins fan. Those are all really, really great podcasts. This is Locked on Heat. We're the only daily Miami Heat podcast that you're going to find. The only one in the entire universe. Think about that. That's us. And... Yeah. To listen to us every day, which we recommend, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and we're going to be there every day. After after uh, games, we'll be having recaps. Before games, we'll have previews. We'll have deep analysis. I mean, you can go on ESPN Radio or any local radio station. You're not going to get the deep level of analysis that you're going to get here on a daily basis. So that's why you should subscribe. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. 
For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Okay, so... Um, I'd like to, I'd like to see if there's any possible trade scenarios you might've come up with that might include Tyler Johnson. Cause I think to yeah. me, that would be something that I'd look to do if, if for whatever re- reason, Riley steps down as GM and all of a sudden I'm promoted in our theoretical situation here, courtesy of Jordan. Um, I, I think, yeah, moving Tyler Johnson seems to be a big priority. I know you that we've talked about December. it. You, I'm sorry. You can move him after December. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to keep him there. Maybe he shows enough at this point, although it seems he, he's kind of struggled somewhat in, in the starting position through two preseason games. And of course, that's the preseason. You take that with a grain of salt. But again, some of the same things that we saw last year and the year before have manifested some ball handling issues, whether or not he's got the size to defend bigger guards. These are the things that we have to worry about when it comes to Tyler. As much as we like him and his overall effort, again, you know, we talked about fit. We talked about windows. And he was a better fit for the previous window of Miami because he was a guy who came off the bench, provided energy and effort and all these things. On a team that was deep with veteran presence, I think he was a good complement to that because, he, he, you know, he did provide that kind of spark that was missing there. And he was a guy who was hungry for a contract and it paid off for him because in just two seasons, one of which was cut short by injury, he was able to turn that into a $15 million, a $50 million payout. So you got to you got to tip your hat to him. And he was able to turn that into something right. positive for himself and his family. But the reality is also, unfortunately, that that's Maybe a good contract. A nicer suit this year. I mean, his suit <laughs> game was so nice. off last year. He might be able to get a better haircut too, because that thing is a mess. But anyway, <laughs> get a, he doesn't have that uh, super clips. What is it? Super cuts haircut. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It looks like somebody put a bowl on there and just shaved around the sides there. You know, like the, the old the old mom doing their toddler's hair. But but by the way, anyway. super cuts. If you want to advertise, we're more than willing. We're, we're not- yes, yeah. We'll we'll continue getting haircuts from there if you're willing to sponsor our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only home of the Tyler Johnson haircut podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a deep analysis yeah. I was talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Tyler Johnson's got – it's a double-edged sword with him if we're talking about moving him because if he plays well enough where um, he's shoppable, then maybe he looks like that contract is worth it. But if he doesn't play well enough and you want to move him, a lot of teams aren't going to take Tyler Johnson at $50 million. So that's where I struggle with Tyler Johnson. Well, couldn't a contenders try to you know acquire him, knowing that he's going to be on the books this year for only was it six or seven million, um, like, and he maybe what, he fits Cleveland? a title window. Cleveland, yeah. Mo yeah. Williams just retired. They don't have Matthew Delvadova. Maybe they want a new they, white guy. They didn't chase. They didn't chase Mario Chalmers the way they should have. I mean, it exactly. makes so much sense. It does make a lot of sense. I don't know who we would trade. I don't know who we could get in return for Tyler Johnson from Cleveland. Let's look at this really quick. Um, Get on that ESPN trade machine right now. Yeah, I don't know that they have any low cost. Uh, Channing Fry comes to mind. I don't know what his contract yeah, situation nice. is like. Yeah, and he actually is a guy who would fit. It, it's a, it would be a step back for him, and he probably I don't know that he has a a no trade clause in his yeah. contract. But I remember, you know, I covered enough Magic games last year. He was he was not happy. I mean, he was always a positive guy and everything else. But then I got a chance to talk with him when he was back in Orlando with a member of the Cavaliers, and it was just. 
it was just night and day for him. The guy was so happy, and he turned into an NBA championship. I mean, well, he's, he's ecstatic making, about. It. He's making seven point eight million this year. Tyler Johnson's making five point six. So mm. that, that's the tough thing is that Tyler Johnson's contract gets it's it's reasonable. It's really actually a bargain in years one and two, and then it right. skyrockets in years three and four. Um, Mike Dunleavy four point eight million. Tyler Johnson's making a five point six. That's right. That's kind of right there. I think that. Um, Cleveland would have to throw in an extra salary, a DeAndre Liggins type, who's no stranger to Miami, um, to make the, or would that be too much? That would be right, right around what they would need to make it work. Um, that could work. I mean, they did just sign Tony Douglas, the Bulldog, but. As much as we like him, I just don't know that he, he fits. I mean, I think Tyler probably has more to provide there. And again, he could be a guy who. Maybe his contract does kick in in three year, years, three and four. But by that point, maybe J.R. Smith is done. James, yeah, you know, yeah. Champ, James Jones is, is probably <laughs> out of the league at that point. Uh, who knows if they moved on from the the Kevin Love situation? Who knows if Kyrie Irving leaves? Six nine, two thirty. He's got some Battier type qualities, right? I mean, I'll, he's not nearly the defender. Who's that? Dunleavy. Oh, Mike Dunleavy. I mean, if you trade for him on a two year, four point eight million dollar deal, so two years of five million a year. Um, oh, he's a guy that Miami would love, I think. Yeah. He's, that, he's just cheap enough, I think, to play, you know, hard-nosed defense, if that's what you want to call it. But I think, you know, he's got a reputation around the league for being willing to throw the extra elbow here and there and, and hurt a player as he accidentally, you know, stomps on you on the way to the hoop or, you know, shoes you somewhere where he shouldn't. <laughs> he's got a, a well-earned reputation, a guy that would fit well there, but he can't space the floor. His mobility's shot at this point in his career, but... You know, he can do things positively. He, he, he might be able to start at the four. We wouldn't want yeah. that, I think. But I think, uh, he does provide that option. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking to dump salary and, and you you decide that the window is in years three and four of Tyler Johnson's contract and you want to free up that money, then that makes sense to me. Dumping Tyler Johnson for Dunleavy. And then I'm looking now, Cleveland's actually got some trade exceptions. So the Heat wouldn't even have to take on an extra player. They could just get one of these trade exceptions. And mm. that would fill it. So they, you can, in essence, do a one-on-one swap, uh, Tyler Johnson for Dunleavy. And if that's the case, I think you're right. You could play a role. I think he would definitely get some minutes for Miami. Two years and he's gone. And all of a sudden you're entering that window. Bosch is gone. You could trade Dragic still for that, in that Rudy Gay deal. And you can just completely tank the year. I think what we're getting at here, though, if I'm in charge of Miami... I'm looking for what Minnesota did last year. Win 29 games, pick at the top of the, near the top of the draft again, and get one other really good player to add to Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and Hassan Whiteside. Everything else we're talking about, that could be fixed with one more really good player. You know what I mean? Like, all these guys are gone, but Dragic's contract is going to play out in four years. Tyler Johnson, it's not the worst contract in the world. Maybe he lives up to it. Like, Dragic's contract looks good under the new CBA, under the new cap, and... If you're able to stretch Bosch out, add a couple more free agents. I mean, you could stretch Bosch out, re-sign Deion Waiters, pick at the top of the draft, and get another guy maybe to replace Bosch. You know, I think Duke has a good power forward. I'm no, I'm no college basketball expert by any Cal, Cal is Ivan Rab. Love Ivan Rab. Go get him. And then, um, and then all of a sudden you have a nice young group. I think that's what you got to do. I think you tank. Yeah, I think that's the overall theme here is you probably have to focus uh, beyond this season. It's probably something that uh, Heat fans don't want to hear, and it's something they're not used to hearing because there have been so many different superstars that have come through here from the moment that Pat Riley joined the team in 1995 
his first mission was to to get this team into playoff contention when they hadn't been for the, the previous six years of franchise history. And, and you know, you, you looked at, you know, everything he's done over the last 21, he's always had guys there or, or tried to do whatever possible to get guys there. And that just doesn't seem to fit what's going to happen this season. And maybe, maybe Dragic turns into that guy. Maybe Whiteside becomes that super duper star, but uh, it's hard to predict exactly what's going on. And, and that leads me to the next part of Jordan's question, which is, you know, what do we do as far as coaching or organizational changes? Um, and, and, you know, that's an interesting part here because I think, you know, if, I guess that makes us then the owner of the team, but not just owner, but, the, you know, president of basketball association. So we've not just replaced Pat Riley, but we've also replaced Mickey Harrison as well. So that's a, that's a, a big window for us and a lot we can do with that position. But as far as coaching is concerned, I don't know that I'd do anything. And maybe there's a large contingent of Fire Spo fans listening to the podcast right now. And if that's the case, we want to hear why you think Spolster has to be moved. But I think he's shown the versatility as a head coach over the, what is it, eighth season now that he's beginning with the Heat. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done so much during that time. He's, he's worked with superstars in Dwayne Wade during the peak of his career in 2008, 2009, 2010. He worked with the big three, was able to work with them and get – LeBron to buy into you know more playing time at the power forward position. He was able to implement veterans like Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis, Eric Dampier, Joel Anthony, everybody that fit into that era there. Eric Dampier was a shout out. Yeah, he did. You know, he's a big part of that. Uh, well, no, he wasn't. But anyway, well, he literally, played literally here during big, the victory big, era. Really, actually, yeah. no, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Carlos Arroyo, why not? Um, <laughs> He, he, look, the point being that he he's worked with us through all these. He's worked with the team throughout these different eras of basketball. Here, he was there in the post Big Three era. Um, you know, he developed a special relationship with Bosch. He was able to get the most out of Wade during these last two seasons there. You know, get guys like Lou Alding and, and you know, again, work with a, th- a lot of different types of players, veterans, young players. We've already spoken on a number of occasions of how he works specifically with Josh Richardson specifically on getting his shot to develop past the point it was in, in throughout his college career. And that's the thing. It's like everybody expected him to be a, a mediocre shooter because of the way he shot when he was at Tennessee. But then he comes here, Spolstra works with him, pushes him, pushes him, pushes him to the point where he winds up becoming an incredibly good shooter. And now while we don't expect that to be the case this season, you know, there's probably going to be some kind of a drop-off. We've seen Spolster be able to mentor these guys and work specifically well, to develop players. we don't think he's going to shoot like 59% or whatever it was from three-point range. But we do think <laughs> right. it's going to be like, you know, good. Right. The, the, the point being that Spolster has shown the ability to, to develop younger players. So, you know, you look at a guy like Scott Brooks. He was just hired in Washington. And part of the, the mindset behind that was, well, he had success in Oklahoma City you know, developing guys like Durant, Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, and, and, and James Harden to an extent. So that was why they put him on there to take John Wall to that next level, to get Bradley Beal to that next level, et cetera. He still has the knocks on him that he can't necessarily, you know, implement a, a, a diverse offense or something along those lines, but but he has some positives. You look at Dave Jerger and what he was able to do in Minnesota, I'm sorry, in Memphis, and why he was, you know, sought after by the Sacramento Kings is they thought he was going to be able to tie in their defense, et cetera. Coaches have niches that they fill, and I think with a guy like Spolstra, I think the reality is that he's very vastly underrated by a lot of people because he's shown versatility as a coach. The ability to work with 
superstars, to work with young players, to implement defense, to work on you know new different types of positionless offense, pace and space, whatever. Um, and so as far as coaching is concerned, I wouldn't do a damn thing. Well, if there was any fire spell listeners, I think they've just converted you. And I don't know how because... Because here's what I would do. I would go the other way. And and when I and when I make this decision, I think you should hold the press conference and say exactly what you just said. <laughs> I give Eric Spolster even more responsibility in the organization. You know, wow. I, I maybe not to the point where you're making him GM. Sure. But more, just uh, almost like a Greg Popovich role, like where he has more to do. Like he just he's he's bigger in the organization, right? I don't know exactly what Popovich, but you know what I mean. No, and, sure, no, I get it, yeah. Because there's R.C. Buford, but Popovich has a, a big hand in personnel decisions. 100%. And I think we did see the Heat start to do that a few, a couple of years ago. I think the last year, the big three, right, when when that coaching staff was really purged and hmm. and Spolster brought his own guys in, like Chris Quinn and all, and, and eventually Jawan Howard, and he started to bring his own younger guys in. He has full reins of the coaching staff if he doesn't already. He has full reins of it, and then some. He's got more organizational duties and and. and Responsibilities. I think you just elevate him because Riley only has so long. I don't know what positions we are. I guess we're above Riley, or we're, we're instead Riley died, and now we're Riley, or I don't know. Um, but um, we need we need to see more branches of the spoching tree branch out. I think that's what it is. Exactly. We've are David Fisdale. More branches. Yeah. More <laughs> branches on the spoching tree. Uh, all right. So that's what we do on the coaching staff. Um, so I think we have some st- stability from the ground up, right? Literally mm-hmm. from the sideline up through the organization. I think we have a vision. I think we tank the season, so to speak, get a top five pick, go get Ivan Rab or somebody mm-hmm. to f- backfill Chris Bosch's job position. I think that's the best case scenario. Or one of these great point guards um, that are coming out. There's a lot of really good point guards because if we do trade Dragic, that could be the case. Because if we don't even trade him at the deadline... And we have a top five pick. There's a couple of really good point guards, um, or like three or four really good point guards in this draft. If we're in a position to grab one, we could, like on a draft day trade, move Goran Dragic. A lot like maybe the Pelicans acquire or uh, the 76ers traded Drew Holiday. Mm. You know, on on draft night, a good above average to very good point guard in this league. You move him on draft day because teams get desperate. And in the summer, maybe you missed out on You don't expect to be in the free agent race. You know, you don't have the cap room maybe that you wanted. You could trade Dragic on, 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 on draft night. Maybe we do something like that. We have a younger team. But we do need... So that's the draft. And now we have to move on to 2017 free agents. I think we have to talk about this, right? Because... I agree. All right. I'm just going to go down the list and then we'll talk about them. But some guys that just pop out at me. Blake Griffin, obviously, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Paul Millsap, Gordon Hayward, and a couple others that I just thought were interesting, J.J. Redick and Rudy Gay. Mm. Um, Blake Griffin's the top target, right? He's a top five player in the NBA, arguably, or could be that if he gets back to where he was a couple years ago. This is a guy who can handle the ball and facilitate from the power forward position. He's a loud scorer. Uh, He gets the crowd engaged. He's going to be 28 next year. We forget, like, he's not old like he's been in the no, league for no. a long time he's only 28 he's entering his prime really he's just now peaking this is a guy that can get you 24 points 9 to 10 rebounds 4 or 5 assists on a given night I mean this guy changes the way your franchise plays basketball I don't think that the Clippers necessarily use him in the right way either I think uh, Kevin O'Connor I think it was for the ringer wrote this really really good piece a couple months ago about how they need to get Blake Griffin involved more in the facilitating part of the offense, but that it, it's hard because you have Chris Paul who is so good at it that you don't want to take the ball out of his hands. 
right. to diversify the offense makes some, some sense. Goran Dragic is a very good point guard. Let's say you still have Goran Dragic. He's not the facilitator Chris Paul is. Very few players are. I think you can afford to give to relinquish the ball a little bit to Blake Griffin. Or if he's not on the team, then obviously you just need as many playmakers as possible. That said, that might not be realistic to see if Blake Griffin gets there. But we have created enough cap space, and I think we're going to get in the room with Blake. I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm torn. I, I, tend to, I, tend to, I tend to kind of flip, uh, you know, flip-flop on, on, on Griffin a little bit because – you know, there there are certainly issues there. I think I think uh, he's shown throughout his career that he could be a little bit of a not not head case. He's not Lance Stevenson level or anything like that, but he has shown some hot headed issues. I think he's been a little immature at times. Um, but I, I made the mistake of listening to the JJ Reddick podcast where Blake Griffin came on, and I mean, it changed my perspective completely. This is a guy who was really <laughs> introspective, uh, you know, really funny, intelligent. Um, and it just it changed my perspective, and I hate that because I wanted to stick to my guns and say no, <laughs> screw Blake Griffin. I don't want that jerk anywhere near my team. And then I wound up listening to it. I was like, ah, oh, dude, now I kind of want him on my team. Um, <laughs> and it really, it really kind of pissed me off because look, the reality is that he still punched you know somebody a foot shorter than him, you know, because he got pissed, yeah. you know, pissed off over whatever it was, and he had a few more you know, too many drinks, uh, you know, and he simulated fellatio on the bench once with a guy, uh, you know, who was uh, tying his shoes or, or putting an, an ice pack on his knee or something like that. I mean, he's, he's been a jerk at times. I mean, there, there's no dismissing that. But then there's also this flip side to him and maybe that's been underreported or and it's hard to say with him, you know, but he's also he's also a, a very popular player. I mean, there are a lot of commercials there for a good reason. He's funny and intelligent enough to play a number of different roles. Um, based on that podcast, we learned a lot about his interest in the comedy club scene and that he loves comedy. He knows a lot of stand-up comedians. Yeah. He's talked to them about developing that craft, which is you know weird to hear from an NBA player. But if there's one guy who could pull it off, it's him. And he already has. He's already done stand-up. Yeah. Um, and well, that's, that's why he's not going to leave L.A. L.A. is the, <laughs> exactly. the stand-up club spot in the country. So. Right. Um, it think. seems it seems unlikely. But that said, like if we're in charge, but we're not Mickey Harrison, and Blake Griffin says he's interested, Mickey Harrison's calling us and saying, "Do whatever it takes to sign Blake Griffin," because we just lost Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James not so not too long ago. We need a new star, now, and Blake Griffin's going to bring people in. Okay, can you tie into the contract where Blake is like touring several of you know, Caribbean cruise lines? Oh boats my gosh, as the stand-up act. <laughs> In the the Blake Griffin comedy act. I mean, could you imagine there Blake Griffin's comedy cruise or something like that every year? Just say the same way Zoe Summer Groove was tied in. You have Blake Griffin's comedy cruise where, where Mickey gives you one of his boats and says, look, you do what you want. All proceeds go to charity, but it's yours. You book all the comedians. You you format, style it however you want. This is your baby, but I give you the power to do so. But you just got to play here in Miami. That is slide. Deal. That's slide number two on the PowerPoint in our presentation. Oh, we're still using PowerPoint, huh? Damn. <laughs> it's, it's, slide number problem, one is right? this is our contract and this is how many nights at Club Live is built in. Slide number two, <laughs> or maybe slide number two is... Um, the rings? Pat Riley's rings on the table? Yeah, these are Pat Riley's rings. We don't know what happened to him, but here are his rings. And <laughs> yeah, we kept the rings. We kept the rings. He's gone, but we kept his rings. We kept his rings. Um, and then and then the, com- the Blake Griffin comedy cruise is right there. And then Prime 112 is right behind it. Um, 
All right, so I think we won Blake Griffin over, but let's say for whatever reason we haven't. We gotta look at our other options. Um, Chris Paul, no way he comes to Miami. Not no. with what happened. No, there's no way. Not with what happened no. with Dwayne Wade. Kyle Lowry, I don't even want him. Like, I are we even pitching Ooh. Kyle Lowry? I know. There's a space there, and if you draft a power forward, then the next step to build up is the point guard position. But what's yeah, the difference between Lowry and Dragic? I mean, to me, Lowry always has these really good numbers. Better defender. When I watch him, he doesn't like. Even his shooting numbers are good, but I never, I never trust the ball when it's coming out of his hands. I don't want Lowry. Better defender. Yeah, I don't want Lowry. I don't want okay. Him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like him, but not. You know, he's expected to opt out of his really lucrative deal in yeah. Toronto, so he can continue to cash in while he can cash in. Um, and that's probably going to put him outside of Miami's price I, range. I, I wouldn't take any of those Toronto guys. I wouldn't take DeMar DeRozan. I don't Ooh, no. take Jonas Valanciunas. I don't want any of them. Yeah, me neither. All right. So we're not getting any of them. Paul Millsap is going to be free agent 32 next year. We've talked about him. Very versatile. Fits exactly this pace and space thing that Spo wants. Probably not the window we're looking for. I right. think he gets he gets gulped up probably by the Cavaliers or something next year if something crazy happens. Um but I don't think we're gonna. I don't think he's. I don't think we're the spot that he wants to go to, and I don't think we're the. That's the player we want. The guy I really want to talk about though is Gordon Hayward. He's gonna mm. be twenty seven next March. Six eight two twenty six two hundred thirty pounds ish. Thirty six percent three point field goal, um, clip for his career. He's averaged four point three assists per game for the last three seasons. Yeah. At a twenty five to twenty six percent usage rate. That's pretty high. But he's still scoring about 20 points a game. So that the 20 points a game plus the four to five assists a game with a 25% usage rate, that's a good rate. You know, that's an efficient return. So I really like Gordon Hayward. He might end up being Bosch 2.0 in that he comes to Miami and his numbers aren't as high because his usage rate's not as high. But we know when we give him the ball, he can do something with it. His assists might even go up because he's, yeah. he might play more of a ball, a, facil, a secondary facilitator role or, or a tertiary role behind Justice Winslow possibly. Sure. I, I think you can slide him in. I think if you, if you have Whiteside anchoring the middle, you can have two interchangeable forwards between Winslow and Gordon Hayward, and they can guard whichever forward they want based on the matchup. I really, really like the idea of that. I'm pitching Gordon Hayward on that in the meeting. Are you there in that meeting with me? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if we're using PowerPoint or an e-game or something because I know he's big on and, and sports and video games and stuff like that. So I think that's Virtual probably reality that. goggles like the Warriors did to Donut. That didn't <laughs> yeah. work. There, apparently. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you know Hayward's going to be a guy who's going to command a whole hell of a lot of money because I think he fits so many different teams because he is so you know versatile and can do so much offensively, and he's not a bad defender. I think a lot of people probably see him and think maybe White. Maybe stiff and think maybe he's he's a <laughs> negative defender. He's white. Oh, he's right. Well, maybe they're Sources thinking that. That's confirm. what I meant. <laughs> um, But I think yeah, I think that's part of it. I think you know, there's also the fact that I think a lot of Miami fans, based in South Florida, probably just haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of Utah Jazz games. I mean, yeah. they tend to play late. They're they're in the Midwest. You know, they don't get a lot of national television exposure. You're watching Clippers games if you get that chance. Maybe you're watching Trailblazers games. You're probably trying to avoid Lakers games despite the fact that they're on TV 45 times during the regular season. But um, you're not getting a lot of Utah Jazz versus Phoenix Suns matchups on, on, on TNT at night. Well, Gordon um, Hayward's like – I know one player that Miami fans are aware of is Chandler Parsons. Right, He played for the Mavericks. He played for the Gators. They know him. 
He's better than Parsons. He's he's a Chandler Parsons, par, a Chandler Parsons that can stay healthy. And okay. He's bigger, and so that's exactly the comparison. I, th- I think you're right. I don't think Miami fans might. It's not going to you know sell out season tickets you know the morning that they become available. But yeah. I think he'll grow on Heat fans and eventually become a fan favorite if we can get him. I can I can just see the the banners now in Biscayne. Gordon Hayward, he's got great hair. You know, come <laughs> see him. You know, I, I I'm trying to think the sales pitch. I mean, you're going to see this Biscayne guy. Biscayne Bayward. <laughs> okay, we need to work on that. I mean, obviously, part of our organizational structure needs to include better PR guys. Um, <laughs> but want, anyway, I just want tagline guys. I just want jingles, jingles and taglines. <laughs> He's a, a good fit for what Miami can do. So, I mean, I, I definitely think he's a, somebody that Miami should target. I think 29 other teams should probably target a guy like him. And so the, the thing is that you put him in at small forward, and I think you can slide Winslow up to power forward, which might be his best position moving forward. Um, I think it's a great fit. It makes Miami instantly more potent offensively, more versatile defensively. There's so much you can do with that altered lineup, and I think you – May not necessarily become a title contender, but playoff team almost assuredly. And I think you'll look at Utah's lack of success, but, you know, maybe they haven't made the playoffs. But one, they play in the Western Conference. Two, they've had injury issues. And they've been – they've had players that have fit that window that we're talking about, but their window was different. They had Derek Ray, you know, Favors that was up and coming, uh, you know, Rodney Hood, et cetera. They had all these different guys that were on there. Dante Exxon, who missed all of last season as a rookie, and now he's, you know, likely to take that next step. Um, and, and, you know, you're going to see more exposure. I think you're going to see Hayward because um, he's, you know, that team is probably going to make the playoffs. I think a lot of people predict that they'll make at least, you know, fifth or sixth seed in the Western Conference, maybe even higher. So we're looking. So we've got Hayward. We sold him on Biscayne Bayward. He's, he's in. Um, we've traded Dragic, I assume, for something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But he's gone because now we have all this money to go get Gordon Hayward. And we've, we've stretched out Bosch's contract. So I'm writing down our depth chart now, and so let's say we pick top five in the draft or somewhere near the top. We maybe we drafted a power forward because the draft happens before free agency, but maybe we send out our feelers. We have a sense that Gordon Hayward is interested, and we don't draft a power forward to replace Bosch. Maybe we get a guy like Markel Fultz out of Washington. Um, I'm looking at Draft Express's rankings right now. There's a bunch of like six four, six five point guards, like one of these big stretchy guys that's really in vogue right now in the NBA. Sure. Um, Frank, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this guy's last name, but he's from somewhere in Europe, I think. Who? Uh, Frank Nitalikina. Nitalikina. Six five. Strasburg or something. I okay. He's a pitcher. Um. Darren Fox, 6'4". Hmm. Lonzo Ball, the UCLA guy, 6'6". I like these guys. Big, long, powerful uh, point guard. Get one of these guys to slide in because now we have one of these. Now between him, Josh Richardson, we re-sign Waiters because we have money now. We have enough money to re-sign Waiters because we've stretched Bosch and we've traded away Dragic's contract. McRoberts, we attached him to that Sacramento trade, so he's gone. Um... So we have a rookie point guard, an explosive, long, athletic rookie point guard, Josh Richardson, Deion Waiters, and Tyler Johnson. That's our backcourt. Justice Winslow, Gordon Hayward, Hassan Whiteside, and um, Derek Williams became the next Marvin Williams. We re-signed him, too. Hey, 
I mean, it could work. I mean, I think depth is obviously a concern yeah. there. Um, you know, you hope that you can find a couple of other players in there. I mean, I, like, you know, I hate to keep talking about Utah, but, you know, like an acquisition of George Hill, that was a guy that fits a great need. And I think a lot of people are like, George Hill, what the hell does he offer? But I think he's another underrated player. I like George Hill. I think he's a good defender. He's a really good three-point shooter. He's become a really good three-point shooter. Um, and he doesn't. He won't hurt your team. So I think you, you want a guy like that who provides really good value, somebody who won't necessarily hurt the team. If you're looking for something more splashy, maybe make a trade. I don't know. Maybe maybe Emmanuel Mudiay or somebody in Denver's backcourt. They've got a lot of smaller guards there, um, guys that they're playing at shooting guard that are maybe 6'2", 6'3", and they don't necessarily fit long-term goals maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're being you know, somebody that they're willing to, to move on the cheap. I'm not sure who we could package for a deal like that, but – you know, in our, our theoretical situation here, you're, you're looking to add depth here, and those guys provide shooting. In Moutier's case, he's a really big body who can really handle the ball very well. He's a good playmaker and things of that sort. So um, there are options out there. There are always options. All right. Well, I think we, with all our moves, we've we've provided enough options in Wiggle Room. Okay. I've got one more thing, though. Now, Jordan Malley, or Maley, um asks us about organizational changes, mm-hmm. and I think one that I'd like to see is – and we've addressed it in recent weeks, obviously, with the situation between Chris Bosch and, and possibly Pat Riley at the head of it. But I want this to be an organization that is much more open and fully disclosed to the public. I think there's just too much of an idea that this organization is is working in the shadows, somewhat secretive from, from the, the talk of collusion prior to the 2010 big free agency poll. I mean, and, and everything that's gone on between put possibly pushing LeBron away, maybe forcing Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh at the door, et cetera. There's just too much there, too much negativity, and I think we need to change that. Now, you never see that in San Antonio. Maybe that's because Pop is is talking to media regularly and telling everybody what's going on, And but you know, maybe because they've achieved success throughout a longer period of time than Miami has. What, what have you, um, you know, there's a different a different mindset or a different approach to the way they handle the media, and, and I don't think – it's one that's working for Miami right now. So if, if Riley's no longer with the organization or we're running it, I want this to be a much different approach. I think we want to be open. We want to show what our plans are. And I know there's going to be the time where we're going to have to be a little bit close to the vest. Maybe you don't want to necessarily put everything out there. But at the same time, I don't want them being in fear of us. And I think even from a reporter's perspective, they have a very unique mm. t- t- you know, tried and true way of doing things in Miami uh, and they haven't necessarily adapted very well with the times, and you want them to be a little bit more flexible moving forward. So I think that's one way of changing the whole heat culture there and, and making it for the better. And just as important as that, I am going to get rid of the whiteout uniforms. Mm. I'm getting rid of the blackout uniforms because I Ooh. can't read the damn words. Yeah. It's all the same color. And I am and implementing no the fan favorite Miami Vice uniforms. Those are coming back. Or not coming back. Those are being created. They've been circling around the internet for years now. We're creating. We're making them. And I'm bringing back those old Miami Floridian jerseys. Remember those? Yes. We're bringing those back too. We're going to change and up no- the alternative. The, those those black black tie suit <laughs> thing. Get those yes. are gone. We're burning those. Every single one of them. Um, I know they were for the military appreciation or whatever, but those army. Camouflage. Yes. Those are so bad. Just get rid of those. Excellent, excellent. I think a lot of people like those, but I, I, I hated them personally. Well, you know what? 
They don't have to come to the games anymore because we are a It's our team, baby. It's, it's our team. We do what we want. <laughs> and we run out the uh, the all reds more often. I want to see those more. Yeah. Those yeah. Now we're, I like the way you think. I'm glad we have I'm glad we have shared control over the heat front office because we, we're, we're thinking along the same lines here. Yeah. You're in charge of like the important like, OK, we're going to talk to the media and and be yeah. more open. I'm the czar of uniforms. Like what I say, like before it was all like it was um, the, the players had input on what they wanted. No, not anymore. I have full control. <laughs> Full control. There's too many good like fashion. There's too, Miami's too good of a fashion scene. There's too many good people at fashion in South Beach to right. hand control over the uniforms to the players. I'm I'm outsourcing. I'm bringing them in. I'm surprised they haven't had like uniforms designed by Romero Brito or something like right? that because that that guy's everywhere in South Florida. At least he was. I mean, I haven't been there in a while, but I mean, there was a point there where the county had like. And county employees had shirts designed by him. The airport, you know, there were murals all over the place. I was so sick of that bastard. I, <laughs> I wanted to punch him in his fat Brazilian face. Speaking of, we're bringing him in to, to design the new jerseys. Um, all right, final act, or not final act, but final act of this podcast because we're going to be in charge for a very long time. Needless to Absolutely. say, uh, who gets a statue out front? You don't assassin. Yep. Do we erect the Wade statue now, or do we wait until he retires? Um, if he re-signs with a team in the future, then we build a statue. Okay, so we wait a little bit. All right, right so we got Haslam. We start we, we start plans on the Haslam statue. We'll wait until he retires, obviously, because he won't like having the statue before he retires. Um, Wade. I'm giving Bosch and LeBron a statue as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... I want. I don't know what happened to Riley, <laughs> but I think he gets a statue, depending on what happened and why we're in charge. Wow. I mean, do do GMs get statues? Has I that ever happened too, before? I guess, like coaches do. Have they? Yeah, coaches get statues Ooh. all the time. What, like for college teams, right? Yeah, I'm trying that's to think true. It's more for. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so no, Riley doesn't get one. So now, so LeBron, Bosh, the only one that's like I'm kind of hesitant on is LeBron for some reason. Really? Yeah, because he's more Cleveland. That would be like the Lakers giving, like, who's a guy that passed through L.A.? Like, Derek, no, not Derek Fisher. Like, Cromalona statue almost, but he didn't win a championship. I'm trying to think. Um, like, somebody that was there for the four years or success there. I'm, like, I don't even I mean, know. Shaq's going to get a, Shaq got a statue. Yeah, he's there for, Shaq is like, he went into the Hall of Fame as a Laker. Like, LeBron's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Cavalier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would be weird. It would be like, I don't know, Pau Gasol? I don't know. I don't know. Who fits the LA mold? But it would be kind of weird to see LeBron out there because I think who do the Lakers have outside? They have um, Kareem, Magic, and Jerry West. I think that might be it. Um, so I don't know. No James, no James Worthy at this point, right? I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Alonzo Mourning is an interesting one. Oh, I think he definitely gets one. Okay, so he gets one. Hmm. Now, big question: Haslam chewing the mouthpiece on his statue yes. or not? Yes, yes. absolutely okay. chewing the mouthpiece or throwing the mouthpiece at a referee. <laughs> a cowering Joey Crawford. <laughs> it's his foot on top of Joey Crawford's face. <laughs> that never happened. I mean, look. I mean, this is our team, but I think you know. I think we have a good chance of making this happen. Well, this is a really good question by Jordan. I mean, shouts out to Jordan. That was that was a really we had a lot of fun with this. I think. Yeah, I think we we want to continue to get questions like this because any opportunity 
to, to go on for hours about establishing control and changing teams, designing uniforms and statues. That's really what our, our specialty is, wouldn't you say? 100%. I think it's clear if anybody's listened to this. So, all right. Well, that was a really great question. You can send more questions over to us uh, by email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or you can send them to Twitter. That's lockdownheat. Um, that's our handle on Twitter. That's all we have for today, whether you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thank you for listening, as well as mailbag questions. You can send your comments or inquire about advertising opportunities or just say hi. You can do that at the, the addresses we just gave out. Um, big thanks to David for joining me. This was fun. We'll catch you next time. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.